We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. See T-Mobile.com. Good morning and welcome to the morning briefing for Wednesday, October 3rd, 2018. I'm your host, Eric Dame. And coming up on today's show, we are going to speak to two important organizations. We're going to talk to Blue Star Families about what people can do to help military families basically live, help them adjust and adapt to the community, help them go through the things that we know they have to go through because we've been there and make it easier on them. That's a big part of what Blue Star Families is all about. And then we're going to talk to USAA. A study came out showing that 60% of Americans, that's a lot, that's six out of every 10, I'm pretty good at math, would not be able to deal with a surprise $500 medical issue. That might sound surprising to you. You might think, well, I've got at least $500 I can get from someplace. 60% of Americans wouldn't be able to deal with that. We're going to talk to USAA about how we can change that and how for those who are eligible for USAA, they have a lot of tools that are available for you. Even if you're not eligible for USAA, you can use their tools. And of course, they have a lot of great services as well. So we're going to talk to both of them coming up in the next segment. It's going to be a bit of a truncated show today. Uh, That's a fancy way of saying shorter than usual because... Uh, the, the American Legion, we're in, I guess, a state of flux. We haven't had them on for like three, four weeks or so. Uh, there's been some, some changes over there and I guess they're, uh, taking a look at things and I haven't heard from them in over a week. So we'll see what happens with that. Um, and we'll keep you updated accordingly as it happens. So good morning, Jennifer. How are you doing today? See, that's the great thing about Facebook live, Phil Bird Dog Briggs. People can actually comment on what we're talking about and look at us there on the internets which is a series of nets, which is over our heads, keeping information from escaping. How you doing this morning, Phil? I'm good, man. I'm good. Now I notice you're hogging the camera over there. I Listen, there you is... You think everybody on Facebook just wants the up-nostril shot of, of, of you? This is the best look that you can get. I mean, there's nothing better going on at 7.15 Eastern time in the morning on the video. Daniel McCracken knows it. That's why he's tuned in. Um, you know, and, and we do have a tripod for this. However... That <laughs> Spartan 06, who yeah, hey Michael. We've got a tripod for the camera, but wait, wait, wait. our own Libby Howe, uh, who's actually working as producer of this show now, is over at the Washington Monument. IAVA are planting flags. They actually started at 6 a.m. today, planting flags, one for each veteran who has killed themselves in the past year. Oh, wow. That's a lot of flags. Yeah. yeah, You're talking 5,000 flags or so. So they're over there doing that today. It's part of their Storm the Hill event, which, uh, you know, we talked to Melissa Bryan about on the show yesterday. Uh, A bunch of IAVA members coming to D.C. to make their concerns known to the lawmakers and the the movers and shakers Mm -hmm. here in Washington, D.C. And they're kicking it off by planting those flags over there today. Uh, I think they're going to be finishing up around 8 o'clock. So if you're watching this on Facebook Live and you're in the area, you can still get over there. Uh, The flags are going to be up there for a while. So you can check those out as well. Uh, As far as taking part in it, I think it's probably a little bit too late for that. But Libby's out there. She's shooting photo, video. We're going to have that for the site. You're going to be able to check that out later on ConnectingVets.com. Right now, there's a story on ConnectingVets.com, and I wanted to bring you in for this first segment, Phil, and not on camera because 
We want people to wake up gently. We don't want to shock them awake. This is not this is not Great Lakes or Paris Island or the 50 different places that the Army has their boot camp. This is gentle waking up, not screaming in people's faces with, you know, the Phil Bird dog Briggs and the, the goatee, <laughs> the 1990s relief pitcher facial hair that you've got going on. People don't need to see all of that. They do need to see your article, though, about this, right. this discussion. And I don't know how big the discussion is, but it's making headlines because... It may be one of the dumber things I've heard come off of a college campus in recent years, which is saying something, because I've seen some pretty dumb stuff come off of college campuses. Phil, there's a professor who, you explain exactly what happened here. Yeah, in a recent opinion article, Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld, who's an adjunct professor for the University of Massachusetts at Amherst, and he's an author, multiple books, um, He's an LGBT activist. Uh, he's 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 done a lot of things and wears a lot of hats. But as an author, he wrote this opinion piece about how we need to start looking at expanding the definition of veteran hmm. to include those who we commonly refer to as social justice warriors. Now, the social justice warrior, for those who are not familiar with the term, and uh, yeah, Michael, there's not many there's not many other ways to wake up other than someone screaming at you and good morning, Matthew. Social justice warriors are the people who uh, are very active in the fight against things that they perceive to be injustices, whether that is uh, serious things like racism and sexism or kind of odd things like microaggressions and other things that go on. Uh, It's become a pejorative term for the most part uh, with most people that that I know anyway. You call someone a social justice warrior, and it's it's meant more as an insult. But there are, of course, those people who wear it as a proud title. And the social justice warriors, uh, they're fighting the war against social injustice, essentially. So this professor at UMass Amherst, up in my neck of the woods where I'm from, he thinks that we need to call them veterans? Yeah, so his whole take was that he feels the the work they do to prevent wars, the work they do to further the causes they're standing for, which, as you mentioned, sometimes are worthy causes, racism yeah. and sexism and ageism and things like that. You know, I mean, the, it's, it's worthy to have a stance and to fight for that. Right. But I don't think we need to re- really adopt a new term for it or to alter an existing term, which, you know, veterans certainly has its proud history of being reserved for, you know, those that have served in the military. Um, He feels as though they're veterans too, and we need to start referring to them as such. So he goes into this article, and normally, you know, I kind of put this in the category of arguing with a fence post. I mean, it doesn't necessarily merit an argument. I don't feel the need to, as I used to think of social justice warriors, make a huge diatribe Facebook rant and, well, this is my cause, but... He did get some traction with this. And, you know, Fox News picked it up. A couple of the other news networks picked it up. That's the thing. When I read the article, you know, beyond just the Facebook comments, when I actually dug into the article and then dug into who Dr. Warren Blumenfeld is with his own Twitter feed, right? I realized one, this guy, (laughs) this guy, I mean, I don't want to insult the man's personal integrity and I don't want to call him names, but go ahead, call him names. This guy's kind (laughs) of ridiculous. I mean, he, how he, dare you? He lacks tact. He's I think, a veteran, Phil. He's a veteran, right? <laughs> he, his whole his whole premise is stupid, in my humble opinion. He, 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 I don't feel as though he's really one. I don't feel as though he really wants to even be an American, based on what I've read. Mm. And I don't feel as though he, he, I don't feel like he even understands what the hell a veteran is, despite being a professor at a major university. So I dug into his article and I I, I pulled some quotes out of it. 
And he basically begins the article by saying, what is a veteran? Well, if you look at the monuments in D.C., and then he goes on a nice narrative of what the monuments in Washington stand for. World right. War One, World War Two, Korea, Vietnam, the Jefferson, the Lincoln, um, you know, the various monuments that line this city. And then he gets into the fact that before he even begins why social justice people need to be called veterans, he says that these monuments themselves demonstrate the fact that, with few exceptions— all of our monuments are to a society that he doesn't like. Old white men and hmm. people that have resolved conflict through war. Yeah. So you kind of see where he's going with Well, this. violence never solves anything except for Nazis, uh, the expansion of the Japanese Empire. Um, right. The, the expansion of the Austro-Hungarian Empire. I mean, it solves some <laughs> things, I guess, but it could, we could have done it with like a, a handshake and all yeah, that Yeah, we really stuff. should have just played cards with Hitler. So then he gets into, if I may, how he goes from the, muse- how he goes from the monuments to um, this is the crux of his argument here. But true patriots and veterans are also those who speak out, stand up, and put their lives on the line by actively advocating for justice, freedom, and liberty through peaceful means. No. See, that's incorrect. He can look up the definition of veteran and find that he's incorrect there. But that's part of what's happening these days is people are trying to change the definitions of terms that we've had for eons generations you know michael comments on facebook pointing out that in his opinion none of the social justice warriors have truly experienced injustices that might be too too grand of a saying i think there's some of them that actually have right but then you have things like do you remember the kid who uh was like a, a white kid who had dreadlocks and someone came up to him and was like that's cultural appropriation you're not allowed to wear your hair like that and, and, and assaulted him, grabbed him, and was like, you need to cut your hair, and you need to do... Just people trying to tell everybody else how to live their lives. That's a big part of, of, of where the negative connotation of SJW comes from. What I think is most telling about this... This right. story. Do you know why? Did you you read his full anecdote? That the, the thing. The thing oh, that I read wrote the entire for, article, uh, right. and it was in LGBTQ Nation. You can look up Dr. Warren J. Blumenfeld. Uh, he is uh, an interesting guy, as Phil Bird Dog Briggs has been telling us. The reason that it came up was because he was at a veterinarian's office, and there was a veteran in front of him, and the veteran got a discount, and he didn't. Yeah. And he didn't. And right. he was thinking, well. I have also fought in wars, wars against uh, white guys wearing dreadlocks, for example, and things like that. I mean, you know, again, there's more to it than that. We're simplifying everything here. But this this caught on in the veteran community. Of course, you have a story up on ConnectingVets.com that deals with this. We've also got... Oh my gosh, who was it that put the uh, Johnny uh, Joey Jones, Johnny Joey Jones? Yeah, he's the Marine Corps veteran, double amputee, a uh, bomb technician, uh, lost both legs in Afghanistan, and said basically he thought it was a joke. Now, here's the thing, also that I think we need to discuss. You said that he's gotten some traction with this argument. I don't know that he has. I just think when you say something that grandiosely dumb, right? That tremendously idiotic, that particularly goes against one group, a group that is a a, a hallowed group in this country, the veteran community, it's going to get picked up by those people that support veterans. And in the case of like Fox News, as you were saying, and and Joey Jones was on Fox and Friends where he talked about it, Fox News is uh, very military supportive, I think. Uh, I see a lot of veterans on their shows, particularly their morning shows. You know, Mm -hmm. we've seen our, our friends like Eli Crane get on there and Eric Mitchell and all sorts of other people on their programming. But they're also, of course, a very political news station. And, of right. course, we all know the leanings of Fox News and the leanings of all the other ones. 
they are kind of using this as an example to be like, see how crazy the left is? They think that the students wandering Evergreen State University with baseball bats to attack a professor who said he didn't want to leave the campus. Some people may remember we talked to Jesse Sherwin, retired Navy chief, who yeah. uh, is out there at Evergreen State about that issue. Uh, they think that those those uh, young people deserve some sort of uh, some sort of veteran category and should get a discount when they go. Uh, you know, maybe on Veterans Day they can also go to Denny's and get some pancakes. <laughs> and that's the thing that maddened me because he even admitted that he's not interested in a discount. Although. You- to your point, he but began the article where it came from. with the veterans office or with his veterinarian's office, where he didn't get the ten percent off. What kind of veterinarian he, is giving a veterans discount? I mean, this guy's in Massachusetts. It's not a big veteran. I mean, there's a big veteran community up there, but it's sure. not like he's living in, in Hampton Roads or someplace where there's a million former sailors or Jacksonville, uh, North Carolina, where there's a ton of Marines and stuff. It's, yeah. it seems odd to me. No idea, but I'll tell you the 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 two takeaways from this for me is that. Um, well, on Twitter, when you look up who he is, I just went backwards in his feed to figure out, well, who is Warren J. Blumenfeld? Like, what kind of guy is this? Yeah. And you didn't have to scroll down very far before you found a tweet from a month and a half ago. And it's, why I will not pledge my allegiance to any flag. And then he goes on to describe, like, for another website, an article he wrote for the Good Men Project. Um, I don't want to recite the Pledge of Allegiance since it amounts to nothing more than a hollow gesture of some sort of talk. And then he goes on to describe the flag with respect to the Pledge of Allegiance as a mere piece of cloth and, like the words of the pledge, represent merely a symbol which can signify nothing beyond the threads, the dyes, and the stitches holding it together. Wow. He it, likes to hear himself talk even more than I do. It, it just seemed to me that why is this guy even fighting to include himself in veteran status when it doesn't sound like he even wants to be included in citizen status? He doesn't like yeah. the flag. He doesn't like the, our Pledge of Allegiance. He... he why would this guy want to even claim veteran? Because he stapled a sign to a stick and walked in a parade or walked in a march. I mean, I yeah. just I couldn't understand is, what the hell this guy's you know what really was about. Is. Yeah, and 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 it it's he, he seems like from what I've read, uh, looking through his social media and other things that he's written. Certainly seems like the kind of guy who might have made up the veterinarian visit with the veteran discount just to prove his point. There are a lot of writers who will do that. They'll, you know, start off a story with, oh, you know, I was walking down the street and I saw a man punch a baby in the face. And I'm going to tell you what that. No, you didn't. Right. If you did, we would have seen that on the news. Babies get punched in the face and that that that's big time news. Again, that's like. We've talked about it before. Someone walking down the street doing normal things doesn't make the news. Somebody walking down the street with their hair on fire, that makes the news. So, you know, this wouldn't make the news. It's it's not researchable, not verifiable, I guess, unless you figure out which veterinarian he goes to and call them up. But could this be some sort of created argument? Eh, I think it certainly could be. Yeah, I'll end it with this. I was looking at his Twitter feed after the article posted and people were commenting and 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 of course I shared the link to my article with the gentleman so he could see just how wrong he really is when he tries to you know oh, did in, he respond to you include himself in the veteran status even though he is in fact a veteran of nothing um he writes this morning or maybe it was late last night he writes yes i am a peace and social justice patriot and veteran and if that threatens anyone then so be it a central tenant of liberation is the freedom to self-define, which I do. Yeah. And, He's going to self-define. You so. certainly can. And, and you know, him equating it to military veteran status, he specifically has related it to that because you can be a veteran of the NFL. 
You can be a veteran a letter veteran carrier, teacher, a veteran teacher. Yes. He's talking about specifically the term as it refers to veterans. And and for the positive side, as long as he's not trying to make money off of it, he can do that. Sure. Call yourself a veteran. Don't try to make money off of it by saying right. you're raising money for veterans and it's going to, you know, going to the kids wandering Evergreen State with baseball bats a couple <laughs> years ago. Or well, I want to self-define here on your fine program. Uh, I am now a doctor. I am now huh. uh, an astronaut. You may refer to me as senator. Yeah. Because I have the right to self-define. Michael on Facebook Live brings up a, a valid point. A patriot believes in a higher calling than self. Again, looking at Pro- Professor Blumenfeld's writings, I don't know if he thinks too highly of anything other than himself. Amen. Uh, and perhaps some of the other people out there who he would like to be classified as veterans. Here's uh, you know what Joey Jones said about it. Again, he was on uh, Fox and Friends yesterday and said, you know, if you need... A title, a pat on the back for your hard work that you choose to do, by all means, take it. Run with it. I don't need the discount at Starbucks. I don't need the discount at Walmart. You go ahead and have it. And you know what? I'm a veteran, 13 years in, deployed to Afghanistan, all that good, happy stuff. I ha- I don't think I've ever used a veteran discount or or benefit in any place. One, because I don't have my VA ID card because I put in the application over a year ago and still haven't gotten this stupid thing. So if he wants to be a veteran, let me tell you, be prepared to deal with the nonsense at the VA professor. <laughs> um, you know, the, that I just I just don't do it. Like I, right. oftentimes I don't know it's available and I don't want to be that guy who asks. You don't want to go up to the, the counter at a place and be like, hey, do you have a veterans discount? Because I'm a veteran. Hey, everybody, look, I'm a veteran veteran over here. Hey, I want extra. Di- give me all the discounts. Now, I am looking at buying a TV in the near future, a new right. TV. That one, um, that one, I-, I might ask if there's a veteran's discount. If, if I'm paying over $1,000, I might be like, hey, hey, come here. <laughs> Is there any sort of like veteran or military discount that you guys do here that we can look at? Uh, but I've never really used one. Even when I go to like Mission Barbecue, there's a, a few yeah. of those in this area. Great place if you get the chance. Very military supportive. Hire a lot of veterans there as well. Um, I go to Mission Barbecue and they have a veteran only parking spaces. I, I don't park in them. Oh, no? No. One, how am I going to verify that? Again, no VA ID card. Get to work on that, guys. Well, you have two very distinguishing veteran features. I, I have what I call the veteran enhancement package, which is <laughs> you have a, a beard, a gut, and a Harley Davidson. <laughs> and really, exactly. if you have those three things, are you truly living your best veteran life? I say that you are not. So, you know, it, it's it's um, it's one of those things that I, I don't know. Other people are like, oh, that must be cool. You get these veteran discounts and these veteran things as engineers are looking through the window. You guys cannot come in here right now. No. Um, the <laughs> Thank you. The uh, the the discount thing is not something that that I do now. One thing that I do use, well, I've used it once, and I'm, I always look at it to see what else is going on. Vettix. Have you ever worked with Vettix before? No, Phil? but I get the emails. Remember, we did, the, or you did the story last summer, and I signed yeah. up, and I've seen throughout the year probably five, six times, uh, really cool concerts or and or sporting events that they've sent me, yeah, uh, alerts for. I use Vettix. That's to get. really cool. I went to, uh, you met my friend Jason uh, when you came over to the house yeah, for the yeah, fights. Yeah. Jason and his um, uh, his wife joined my wife and I, and we went to go see some fights in Baltimore, and we paid like $15 for tickets. It would have cost us $300. Oh, we have a comment on the SJW thing again. Heidi says, I am a veteran and an SJW, but in my honest opinion, no one can be called a veteran unless they have served in the military. Heidi, 
100% agree with you. 100% agree with you. And good for you for not asking for the veteran discounts either because <laughs> it's just, oh, the attention that you're trying to bring to yourself with that. That is, I, I think that is what a lot of uh, social justice warriors get accused of. That's virtue signaling. Look at me. I fought right. for the country. I want 5% off on this pancake breakfast. Hashtag casual Friday. See my button? Yeah. Yep. I fought for this cause. Even on Veterans Day. Well, one, I don't go anywhere. I go to work, and then I go home, and that's pretty much it. Uh, sometimes to jujitsu and things like right. that. I, I don't do any of the free Veterans Day meal things. Do, have you ever done those? Because you, you have the ability to. You've gotten, you know. I have a hat from my old ship. I have a USS John C. Stennis hat that I like to wear in the summertime. And uh, I was renting Wave Runners, you know, the jet skis on vacation right, just right, a couple right, months right. ago. And the kid was cool. He actually asked me, he's like, hey, were you in the Navy? Did you serve? And I was like, well, yeah. And he's like, oh, well, here, take the veteran discount. And I thought that's a really neat way to approach the discount option because if yeah. you, certainly if you see you know an elderly couple at IHOP and he's got his hat on you know I mean that's a great that's a great way to yeah. reward or to utilize that veteran discount I don't think maybe to your point you should go you know look at me I was once in the Navy give me the dollar ninety seven off my order but at the same time it's a nice token of appreciation yeah. and it does to me I think. <laughs> get a little bit muddied and it does dilute the meaning of the word if just anybody can become a veteran because they felt that they once did something noble. I mean, there is certainly yeah. nothing wrong with using words like activist or leader or mentor or, you know, somebody that has worked for a noble or a good cause. I mean, there's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I just don't think they need a new damn word. Well, even in the veteran community, and this has come up recently with, uh, and we're not going to delve into it, but uh, stuff going on on Capitol Hill, uh, just down that way, uh, we're in Washington, D.C., oh. there uh, you know, issues where people claim veteran status that actually are veterans, but for some reason want to upgrade the type of veteran that they are. Our friend Don Shipley, he seeks out the people who do that specifically with the SEAL teams. Like, if, if yeah. you're out there claiming to be a Navy SEAL and you're not, just stand by, because Senior Chief Shipley is coming, and... <laughs> Boatswain mate Diane is coming as well. His wife is actually a was uh, you boatswain. She was a boatswain's mate. Yeah, they met <laughs> while they were in the navy. They were both boatswain's mates, and then uh, he went out for the SEAL teams. But yeah, they were yeah. both boatswain mates. So you know, we've got um, uh, see. Heidi brings up another good point, saying <laughs> saying sometimes my wife asked me to ask for the discount. See, now my wife might do that occasionally, yeah. but she would uh, she would never really do it. Michael is telling us also that he's currently stationed in Guam. I was stationed in Guam, too, on board the USS Frank Cable, and I loved scuba diving in Guam, and I loved the friends I made there, and we'll leave it at that. I volunteered to go to Afghanistan to get off of that island. <laughs> Because that command was a dumpster fire inside of a dumpster fire inside of a dumpster fire. All right. Uh, you're listening to The Morning Briefing here on Intercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets Every Day is a slogan, and it's what we do. And you know why we do it? It's because each and every member of our team is tied to that uniform. We know what it's like to have worn the uniform, and just as importantly, we know what it's like to have taken it off that last time. Bill, how long were you in the Navy for? Uh, four years and i thought you were just having a stroke or something how long were you in the navy for four are you just going to repeat the last word that i say to you is that how this is going to go i, I mean <laughs> i think that that awful facial hair is infecting your brain <laughs> no but as we talk about veteran status I, I hear you i always feel weird whenever you ask me how long i've been in because you you served you did i did longer than you but that, you that did a lot of different matter. things in the military but i did my did, foreign out the door you and did stuff that i didn't do and that's the interesting thing is that when it comes to the veteran community Everybody's got their own story. 
You've got more sea time than I do. I that I do. Thirteen I was, years in, most of my time was spent overseas working at AFN and Afghanistan and all yeah. that stuff. It was only on two ships. USS Saipan was in a dry dock for most of the time I was there. The USS Frank Cable basically just sits at the pier, uh, trying to fix submarines that are always broken and stuff like that. I did not spend a lot of time out to sea. I mean, literally, I can probably count it less than a month total. Oh, yeah. I would say. In 13 years, I spent less than 30 days out to sea. I have some salt. Maybe that's why my goatee is so white, because I'm a saltier sailor than you. Point is, each member of our team has a unique experience. We're talking about people like Matt Sainsing, former Army Intel. Kayla Jackson, currently serving in the National Guard. Executive producer Alice, she is an Army spouse. Her husband being an Army Ranger, one of those uh, Bat Boy types, I believe. Indeed. Everybody's got their own uh, perspective on this. Libby Howe, producer of this show, is uh, an Air Force brat, moved like... 16 times in 18 years or something ridiculous like that. We are trying to get you all of the information that you need, that you want, and that will help you live your best veteran life and deal with those obstacles that pop up for so many of us. Because, yeah, we're all going to have an interesting, unique experience afterwards as well, but there are some similar things that we can help you prepare for, and we're doing that every day at ConnectingBets.com. And, of course, follow us on social media where we are at ConnectingBets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. You are listening to The Morning Briefing on ConnectingVets.com. Coming up next, we're going to talk to Blue Star families about helping military families kind of blend in with their surroundings and kind of build those relationships and new communities and USAA about the importance of insurance, particularly for veterans and military retirees. Morning Briefing will be back right after this. Welcome back to the morning briefing from Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting Vets Every Day is our slogan, and it's what we do. And why do we do it? Well, it's because each and every member of our team is very closely connected to the military. The vast majority of us know exactly what it's like to put that uniform on every day and what it's like to take it off that very last time. The struggles that face veterans and our families when we leave the military, they can be daunting, but... With our team helping you, you can live that best veteran life with all the great information, news, benefits. It's all available for you at ConnectingVets.com. Coincidentally, you can find us on social media where we are at ConnectingVets. Our next guest is a military spouse and the founder and CEO of Blue Star Families who are doing some amazing work on behalf of the veteran community. She is Kathy Roth-Duque and joins us now on The Morning Briefing. Kathy, good morning. How are you today? I'm doing great. It's terrific to be here. Well, we appreciate your time. And as I mentioned, you have a long history with the military. While you didn't put on the uniform yourself, you were certainly serving alongside your spouse. So give us just a brief background of how you became a military spouse and and what you did during the years that you were serving in that capacity. I married my husband in uh, 1997. I did not come from a military background. But I went to a ball at the U.S. Embassy in Manila in the Philippines, and I met a very dashing Marine officer. So this was when I was working at the Clinton White House. Um, So my life took a very different turn. I I became a Marine Corps spouse. Uh, This was, of course, before 9-11. But after 9-11, you know, the intensity of what it was to be part of a military family and to support that mission uh, really moved me, and it became my mission too. So we moved nine times in one 15-year period to 
four countries, three continents, five states. My husband deployed uh, to combat four times. We had children who we moved around to many schools. And uh, that uh, journey is what led me to create Blue Star Families. And of course, Blue Star Families is an organization, you're the founder and CEO, that's doing amazing work on behalf of military families. But if someone walks up to you, Kathy, and says, what exactly is Blue Star Families? For those who are totally uninitiated, what do you tell someone who's not familiar with the organization about exactly what it is that you all do? Sure. Blue Star Families um, supports active duty guard and reserve wounded and transitioning service members and their families. And our mission is to tell the story of military service today and to create solutions in communities where people live with, with the members of those communities and drawing on the veterans as well to help create that bridge. And of course, there are many ways that that can be done. What are some of the specialties of Blue Star Families as far as the programs and services that you're able to provide to military families? Yeah, the way we go about doing this is we, we listen to the problems we um, uh, and, and, and finding out what's going on today. What are the biggest challenges today? We make solutions through partnerships um, with corporations, with uh, governments, with other nonprofits, and we drive those solutions in the community. We find through our national survey, which gets released in Congress every year, which I briefed the Secretary of Defense on, we find out that the big issues facing military families today are economic insecurity and social isolation. And so we address those through our chapters, which are in 32 um, states and four um, overseas countries. And then we have really robust programs in uh, spouse employment and also in areas that bring people together. We work with folks like Disney, like Facebook, uh, like uh, uh, Microsoft to create programs that really uh, connect people within their communities. When it comes to those military families and the struggles that they face, as you just were telling us, whether it's economically or otherwise, what are some of the ways that you've that you've noticed that families are best able to overcome and how are people best able to help them? What do we need to do to help the military families thrive after they leave the military or while they're currently serving? Yeah, you know, one thing is we find we need to help them while they're currently serving because, you know, as you you probably know from your own service, today's military don't live on base anymore. 80% are off base. They're in communities and fewer and fewer are able to access um, installation resources or because they're, um, you know, millennials, they don't necessarily want to. So they're in communities. 75% of them have been there less than two years. Most of them are experiencing really high levels of separation. Almost half of our families have had over six months of separation in the last year and a half. So this is making life really tough for families. Being part of one of our chapters, joining one of our chapters so you can connect to the military folks in your community, especially for your um, listeners who are veterans who can really understand their lives and, and be a support for them, that's a really meaningful thing. So we find that our chapters are um, excellent supports for folks. Another thing that we find is that Spouse employment is really crippling today's military because today's families need two incomes. A military salary is just not enough to provide the American dream for a household without support. And although most of our spouses are educated and credentialed, we have incredibly high unemployment and underemployment rates, more than 20% unemployment when the overall society is 3.9%. So Blue Star Families has some really robust programs to not 
only um, identify those spouses and employers, but to actually place folks into employment that works for them. We're speaking with Kathy roth Duque, founder and CEO of Blue Star Families, a Marine Corps spouse herself. You know, I think something that you mentioned there, Kathy, is very interesting, and that's the understanding that veterans have. And even myself, I, I met my wife shortly after I left the Navy. But with, mm-hmm. with hindsight being what it is, that being 2020, I can't imagine having to put her through what she would have gone through. Had she moved, I think it was six or seven times in 13 years that I did, why do you think it is important that those of us who have a better understanding of that reach back to help those who are going to be in our situation in the coming years that are currently serving on active duty now? Yeah, you know, the, the veterans today can really extend their mission to, to the country by by helping to be that understanding support to the people who are currently serving. Because with our, you know, 1% of people serving, it's very easy to feel isolated in your community. It's easy to feel like the people around you don't understand. And um, with the families being so uh, disconnected, right now we're finding that the number one reason that otherwise promotable service people leave service is because they're concerned about their family's well-being. Um, They leave because their spouses have careers and they don't want to disrupt them or because their kids have just gone to too many schools. My daughter, when she was 10th grade, was starting her 10th school. But we also see at the same time that military people love the mission. And if they can feel their families are okay, then they can keep doing it. So when we look at our surveys and we say, do you feel connected in your community? More than half say, no, we don't. When we ask them, have you spoken to someone who's not currently connected to the military in the last month, 30% say they haven't even had that conversation. And those people who are disconnected are the ones who are doing the least well. So by being that veteran who is that, you know, um, that bridge to the civilian community, you can say, hey, not only do I understand you, but I'm also part of the larger society that supports you and we, we can help you get through this. Of course, you don't need to be a veteran, though, to support military families or even veteran families. And there's actually a a new program, as I understand it, through Blue Star Families called the Neighbors Program. Can you tell me a little bit about that and what you aim to accomplish through this new program? Yeah, we're so excited about the Blue Star Neighbors Program because for us, it really is the solution to the problem. Most people solve problems for people they know, right? And when the military becomes a cul-de-sac, when we just know each other, that we don't have access to all the ideas or connections when you retire and if you want to start a business, you don't have necessarily access to the you know, sources of investment income or some of the other ideas. So if we can connect the neighbors who have this feeling of goodwill towards the military, but they don't know what to do, if we can make it easy and fun for them to connect to the the currently serving and transitioning military in their community, then not only do we help the military, but we really help the neighbor too. What we find for the people who participate with us as Blue Star Neighbors is that they feel they get much more out of the program than they give just from getting to be part of the mission of serving the country that they feel they're part of when they connect through our community. So that's the Blue Star Neighbor Program, and it's on our website. Anyone, veteran or non-veteran, can participate in it. That sounds like something that we need more of, you know, building these bridges of understanding between the military and veteran communities and the civilian community. Is that a big part of what Blue Star Families and particularly this Neighbors Program is about, kind of normalizing those military families and letting people realize, hey, they're just like you and I. They just uh, happen to do a slightly different job than we do. 
That's exactly right. You know, it, it, it is normalizing, and I love that word. It's saying this is, this is a normal part of our country, and we need to be connected into it, um, both for their sake and for our sake, so that we understand that this is what we do as a country, is, you know, the missions that we send folks on. Not only will it help the, our communities, and not only will it help the individual families who are doing better, but it'll, it'll help the country as a whole because we'll make people smarter about this work that we do that, after all, civilians need to control the military, and they can't control something they don't know or understand. We're speaking with Kathy roth Duque. She is the founder and CEO of Blue Star Families. Kathy, as you mentioned, you're a chapter-based organization. If people are hearing this and they're interested in it and they're, they're saying, like, hey, I want to find one of these Blue Star Families chapters, where do they go to find out that information and find the closest one to them? Yep. Come to our website, bluestarfam.org, or just Google Blue Star Families, and you can see on our website where all of our chapters are. We're always creating new ones. We have um, wonderful help from uh, terrific sponsors such as uh, Boeing and Macy's Wounded Warrior Project who are helping us build those chapters. So um, even if one isn't on there right now, let us know you want to see one in your area and we can create that. We also have what we call a virtual chapter where you can interact with people across the country. So we have a a mentorship platform where you can mentor military spouses or transitioning veterans who are trying to find jobs, speak to them once a week or once a month and help people with that connection and share your insights um, and other terrific opportunities to um, participate wherever you are and whether there's a chapter or not. If someone out there is listening to this and they're not sure if they're the person who should reach out to Blue Star Families, let's go into that. Exactly who should be reaching out to their local Blue Star Families chapter? What we say is anything you have to give, there's a military family who can receive it. We have a wonderful program where we have celebrity chefs cooking with military chefs at one of our neighbor celebrations to show if you're a great cook, you know, cooking with a military family uh, you know, sharing a meal, that's a great thing. We have a program where we recognize outstanding Blue Star neighbors. We have military folks from around the country nominate a neighbor who made a difference to them during a challenging time in their military life. And we've honored people who just, you know, plowed someone's um, driveway while the dad was deployed, um, a reservist was gone for a year, or helped out with a business, again, for another reservist family who had to deploy and was at risk of losing their business. Pretty much anything you have to give, if you're a coach, if you're a um, a chess master, we have a, a gentleman here in Virginia who's a chess master, and he teaches chess to military kids um, uh, once a week. Uh, really, there's a way everyone can give in a little way or a big way. There's There's room for this community. Whether it's in that little way or that big way, it is important to give back and helping out the military and veteran families. There's there's few things that I think would be better to give back to. And certainly when we talk about Blue Star families, they are doing things in a big way. We've been speaking with Kathy Roth Duque, the founder and CEO of that organization. Kathy, once again, what's the website if people want to find out more about Blue Star families? Come to www.bluestarfam.org or just Google Blue Star Families. Well, Kathy, thank you so much for your time today. And more importantly, thank for what thank you for what you're doing for the military and veteran families out there. And thanks for this great program that you have and your website. It's something that we recommend to folks as well. I think you do great work. Well, thank you very much, Kathy. We really appreciate it.
You're listening to The Morning Briefing on Entercom Radio's ConnectingVets.com. Connecting vets every day. I'm your host, Eric Dame. You know, there was a 2017 bank rate study that came out that said 60% of Americans would struggle to pay for an unexpected $500 health expense. What can you do about that? How do we address this issue of a majority of Americans not being able to cover an unexpected $500 health expense? Well, thankfully, we have someone on the line with us who's going to be able to tell us a little bit about how you can address that and how the open enrollment period for 2018 for military retirees and active duty families may be the key. He is Sean Scaturo from USAA, where he's the director of life and health insurance advice. Sean, good morning. How are you today? Hey, doing well, Eric. Thanks for having me. Well, it's absolutely our pleasure, and as I mentioned, it seems shocking to me that 60% of the population would struggle to pay for an unexpected $500 health expense, but according to this study, that's the case. What can our active-duty military families and military retirees do to address that issue on their level? Yeah, I think that's a great question, Eric. I think that taking a simple approach um, of really making certain that your health plan is comprehensive um, and wrapping around all of the things that healthcare means to you. So it's not just your insurance. It's making certain that you protect your health, your wealth, and your wallet. So kind of breaking into each one of those segments, your health really with the, especially the military members, your health is pretty much taken care of in terms of health insurance. Your major medical insurance is covered through your service. And that's, that's fantastic. But for a civilian uh, or for family members that may not be covered by that, your ultimately your health insurance it needs to make certain that it's the right type of benefit, the right plan for you, and it has an affordable premium to it. Uh, so for things that you may have gone thrifty on, if it's a cheaper premium, you also want to be considerate about how your benefits are going to pay out because with a lower cost on the premium side, you're potentially going to have a higher deductible or a higher out-of-pocket maximum. So rolling into your wallet. You want to budget for those things. I know that B word is a scary word for a lot of people, but you want to budget for your out-of-pocket costs. You want to budget for that out-of-pocket maximum so that you know what your top-end risk could be financially each year. And then lastly, you want to think about how does this affect your current wealth today or potentially your wealth in the future. Now, this may be getting more into retirees, but for an individual that's a civilian worker right now, where the military, again, this may be something that's covered, which is, I think, a great benefit. For a civilian worker, the income that you bring in is one of the biggest benefits, but also one of the biggest liabilities, quote-unquote, if you think about what your household depends on. So your wealth needing to be protected with things like disability income replacement, other insurance plans that wrap around the other risks that are common to happen, uh, that's pretty important to keep your family afloat and continue moving sideways towards your goals. For retirees, that risk really is looming in long-term care. So you may have health care through, uh, through Medicare. You may have a health care supplement through TRICARE, um, you know, TRICARE for Life. But then what do you have covering you for the things that now what we're seeing statistically is up to one in two individuals are going to face long-term care. And that's having some type of long-term care insurance plan because basically it almost seems like you're never going to get away from needing health care. So health wealth and wallet, that three-step approach is going to make you have a plan that's more comprehensive than just simply having health insurance. Is there anything new for 2018 that the retirees and military families need to know about that may not have been a factor in previous years, or is it just business as usual? 
Uh, unfortunately, I'd love to say it's business as usual. However, there is one key change that a lot of our military families are going to face, and that is the biggest change being TRICARE Retiree Dental Programs actually sunsetting January 1st of 2019. So it is important that the military retirees covered by the TRDP actually go out and make certain that their, their coverage for dental insurance is taken care of. So this is a great opportunity to be a good consumer go out and look for individual plans that are going to be, again, right for the needs that you have, that they're affordable, that they fit within your overall budget. So kind of going back to that health, wealth, and wallet uh, concept. But it is a time that you want to have your your dental program taken care of. So there may be an opportunity to go into that kind of a happy path with some federal programs that are going to be talked to, but you also have the opportunity to shop around. You may find that your needs could be better suited from a different plan that offers more comprehensive benefits or potentially a lower premium. But it is an opportunity for you to be a good consumer. So you've got to make a decision sometime over the next couple of months. Again, that plan, uh, the TRDP, is going to sunset January 1st. And you don't want to go into 2019 without having dental coverage in place. For the military retiree or the veteran in general, really, I mean, 13 years that I was in, I didn't have to think about medical and dental. I didn't have to think about insurance uh, in, in, in any way, shape or form. And when I got out, had VA coverage. But of course, that for many of us comes to an end. What's the first step that a veteran or new retiree or someone who just hasn't dealt with it yet? What's the first step they should take on the road to making sure that they're fully covered in these situations? Yeah, that's a fantastic question. It's something that definitely gives me a little bit of angst thinking about our young service members or anybody in the military military service that does not have the, the burden of knowing all of these healthcare terms. Uh, you know, just to your point, being in service, it's taken care of. Once you go into civilian life, you're retired, you get smacked with a thesaurus of all these different jargon, uh, all these different industry phrases that don't mean a whole lot. I think the first step is really getting educated on the different healthcare systems or the different healthcare phrases within the system, understanding what coinsurance is, understanding your personal financial responsibilities, and when your coverage kicks in, when it doesn't. Now, most, most individuals transitioning from service, especially on the younger end, are going to go into an employer-sponsored type of plan. Understand that with your employer providing uh, a great deal of the heavy lifting financially for your health insurance plan, you will absolutely have some responsibility. One of the biggest statistics that I've seen uh, that kind of shows the trend of where the industry is going is recently we've seen from 2006 to current, well, 2017, the deductibles for employer-sponsored health plans have risen from $300 approximately to over $1,200. There is a shift of making the employee a little bit more responsible financially for healthcare. So that's something that you're going to have to anticipate is when you've got that employer-sponsored coverage, you need to be earmarking a certain amount of money to cover your deductible or potentially budgeting for your out-of-pocket maximum. That would be that next level threshold of here's my absolute top end cost for the year. And you want to mentally plan for that. You need to get familiar with how your money is going to work within the healthcare system so that you're not left out to pasture and you're not becoming one of those statistics that we started with about 60% of Americans not being able to afford a $500 health expense. And just pulling back the curtain entirely, $500 in a health expense is almost a nothing cost. Uh, that's a that's getting the sniffles and having to run to the ER. <laughs> yeah. That's a uh, that's an expense that's pretty common, unfortunately. 
It certainly is. All right, so we've talked about what the first step people should take is. What's the first thing they should not do? What are some of the common mistakes you see people making as soon as they get out when it comes to this topic? Well, I would say, one, assuming that you've got insurance. Uh, you know, Assuming anything is a recipe for disaster, you want to be certain. But having a plan without, well, let's just say having a, a plan that's not comprehensive or not having a plan at all is a recipe for disaster. We take this three-step approach, again, health, wealth, and wallet. If you haven't budgeted, if you haven't wrapped your plan entirely with making certain that you've got all of your exposures covered, um, statistically, you're more likely to become disabled than you are to pass away. So making certain that you kind of take smart gambles or smart bets on insurance plans that make sense for your family's needs, all of those things are going to prevent you from making mistakes. But the number one mistake that I think you can make is just assuming that your health care insurance is enough. And assuming that, oh, my insurance will take care of it. That is, that's kind of setting yourself up for relying on plastic, relying on credit cards, or relying on borrowing from friends and family. Because uh, I always say Murphy's Law, right? It's waiting around the corner. Risk is going to happen. There is going to be some event that's ready to knock you off your financial path. We've been speaking with Sean Scaturro, USAA's Director of Life and Health Insurance Advice. Sean, of course, USAA has a lot of great tools for people to do research, has a lot of great products available if they choose to go that route. Where can people go to find out all the information about what USAA has to offer? Yeah, more information, can, at least on healthcare, can be found on usaa.com forward slash health solutions. A lot of really great resources to help figure out what type of plan is appropriate for you, as well as some information to help facilitate the conversation with your family members about what type of benefits do you need. Uh, Lastly, you can always call one of our experts at 1-800-531-USAA to speak about what your healthcare solution looks like. Sean Scaturro from USAA, the Director of Life and Health Insurance Advice. Thank you so much for the information and thank you for your time this morning. We appreciate it. Thank you as well, Eric. Great talking with you. And that's going to do it for this edition of The Morning Briefing. We want to remind you to tune in tomorrow. We're going to have a fantastic show. Joe Chanelli from AMVETS is going to be in studio. We're also going to talk to Steve Weintraub, United States Marine Corps Colonel, about vet ticks. You've heard about vet ticks before, right? Well, if you haven't, you're going to learn a lot about it tomorrow. Brief description. Essentially, if you're a veteran or active duty military, you are eligible for their service, which allows you to get tickets to major events, sporting events, concerts, plays, all sorts of things at a significant discount and sometimes totally free. And now, well, they're expanding that program and doing some new stuff. So we're going to talk to Steve about that tomorrow. And as I said, Joe Chanelli of AmVets. You've been listening to the morning briefing from Entercom Radio's ConnectingBets.com. Be sure to follow us on social media where we are at ConnectingBets on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and YouTube. I'm your host, Eric Dame. Hope you have a great day and hope you join us again tomorrow morning. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary.